podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest Anfield Index Under Pressure podcast. Uh, my name's Dan Kennett um, and joining me tonight to have a, one of our summer focus pods. Um, it's going to be a nerdy one, so if you're here for the sports science stuff, you might want to tune out now. But if you like nerds, if you like nerd stuff, if you like maths, then this is the one for you because we are going to be taking a deep dive um, and we're going to call this show What is New in Football Analytics? <clears throat> so some of the things that you might be starting to hear about now and that you might see more of in the coming season. So we're gonna we're gonna go through um, some you know key key changes things that might start seeping them into into the mainstream uh, and we're gonna help you understand what they are um, and how to use them. Um, but to help me on this journey, um, I've got um, our most qualified sports scientist, professor of data science at Middlesex University, Dr. Phil Barter. How are we doing? You're right. I'm I'm good, mate. Last week you said you were going to um, you had all your your your, your doctorates graduating, yes. Yeah, yeah, all good. I think only one thing we were supposed to do a ceremony on Monday, but obviously uh, the heat curtailed that, or today even the heat curtailed that. So uh, yeah, it's uh, we got a few more to go, but all the all the doctorates are through. It's just undergrads and postgrads. So uh, yeah, but hey, it's good to see them all go after two years of uh, not doing anything. So it was good. It was good, very pleasing. (laughs) All right, um, but I have our resident date collection expert and uh, video analyst. It's Mr. Daniel Rhodes. Good evening, (laughs) Rhodesy. Evening, Dan. Uh, anyone who's not in the group has missed out on seeing Phil in his uh, in his yeah. gown in the uh, Discord. <laughs> Just worth it for that. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is really interesting because one of our first ever shows that I remember you recording, I came on it. It was the Analytics One Hundred and One, Dan. And God, haven't we come far from that? Looking at some of the stuff we're going to talk about today. Yeah, absolutely, big time. But we do have ratio and all that. Oh yes, yes, purely quant. um, Yeah, purely quant metrics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um, we do have a very special edition this week, um, and he is potentially coming on board for the new season on UP as part of our rotation option. It's um, it's the his name is I was going to call him the Reverend Richard Cole from the Communards, but it's not. It's Richard Cole. Um, his handle on on in AI Discord is. Uh, at Old King Cole, um, and Richard, how are you doing, mate? I'm doing okay, thanks. A little excited, a little nervous, but um, yeah, looking forward to being on, seeing if I can do what I can do. Excellent stuff, mate. Anyway, um, so the first thing I've got to say, guys, is that um, the, um, the 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 fame, the infamous Neil Ashton hatchet job on Brendan Rodgers, and oh, sorry, on 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 um, Michael Edwards. One of the things it said there that um, football nerds in there with their laptops in their air conditioned offices, and all I could say is at this moment, why wouldn't fucking kill for an air conditioned office? <laughs> <laughs> Same here, mate. 
can. I haven't got one in mind, and it's absolutely disgustingly hot. It, it's so hot. It's unbelievable. <laughs> um, we are having we are having our one day in the year at um, average temperatures over thirty five degrees. Um, so welcome to the rest of the world. I think is the phrase. Anybody listening in America will be laughing. I think at this, or in the subcontinent Asia, will be laughing. But yeah, that's yeah. right. Australia as well. We got a lot of Australian um, Discord members as well. So yeah. But yes, we're not built for it in the UK, that's for sure. No, um, schools closing and all sorts. Trains cancelled. It's not good. It's not good. Well, Luton, Luton Airport closed because the runway melted and a sinkhole opened. Yeah. Yeah. We just can't handle it. Okay. Right. So I've, we've, been, we've been, been doing a round table on um, things to um, uh, start about. Uh, you know, ideas that we've got, and we've got five to bring to you. And this, what we're going to start off with um, is is something called OptiVision. Sounds very exciting, doesn't it? But um, uh, I'm going to put a little thing into the chat about um, OptiVision because um, um, this this is potentially, uh, but very very exciting. Yeah, I'll, I'll, it does look to be. I mean, we've got five. Five good topics here, Darth. I think well, well played in choosing them, but this this does look to be a real a real big one, particularly the AI involved in it. Um, I quite like that. Uh, as, you know, that's me in the modelling element of it. But um, yeah, it does look looks really solid in their presentation. Anyway, from what we've what we've seen so far, this is going to be behind paywall, isn't it? Is that well, right? this is it. The reason I put it on the agenda is because part of it they're going to start using publicly, which is the um shape analysis and i yeah. think they've developed new visuals for which we'll come on to in a minute but the rest of it is, is it looks like it's going to be proprietary for them mm. but but i can imagine that all the all the normal opter accounts will start putting stuff out which includes references to some of the stuff from 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 optivision won't they we'll see we'll we'll probably see yeah they might charts and stuff because you can pay can't you for certain bits yeah i think you'll see like the odd bit seeping in here and there so um but yeah, yeah no it looks it looks it looks solid from the from the from what we can read so far from me. Um, looks looks good. And um, Rosie, I mean, you are. Yeah. We need to remind everybody. You are um, the or what's the pre the, the the pre precursor to stats perform prozone. Yeah, you are a prozone video analyst. You're certified. Yeah, you right? did. Yeah, in Liverpool as well. Yeah, and the, I think the reason why the the Optivision is so exciting. Is because it's the first time that they they've they've melded the the camera tracking data with the um with the event data, Rosie. Absolutely, and it's clever how they're doing it. Obviously, um, and the things that they're likely to bring through from it are the most important things. You talked about shape analysis there, but there's good, and we're going to talk about expected threat later. Um, but the the two for me, um. Well, three that I think uh, one will apply to this podcast, but interests me the most is um, like the packing stats that we've touched on m many a time. On yeah, and when we when we do the individual match analysis, we always say brilliant passes that break the lines. So they're going to introduce like a line breaking passes metric, um, active runs. That's something you know we we talk about off ball runs, runs yeah. all the time. Um, who are the best 
at making the best runs is absolutely crucially really difficult for us to measure. And then pressure intensity. I'm like, everyone's getting involved these days, aren't they, Dan? <laughs> um, but but, but and, think back to your five years ago when you did your when you did your um your, your pro zone. Um, yeah. they they you were talking to the the, the course the guy in the course about um what you do at AI and collecting your data. Yeah. And they said, oh well, we collect all that automatically off the cameras. Yeah, and, and and didn't he show you the didn't he show you the Liverpool? He day? did. He showed the, yeah, it was quite basic, but yeah, they did show us the Liverpool one, and then and Gags got some of his numbers up, his early uh, under pressure numbers, and there was a, again, like sometimes we see with the stats bomb stuff, there was a lot of similarity, and we could see like that the players that they are performing at their levels, we had on that season, like Emma Chan, I think John Henderson had a good season. Yeah, and people, everybody in public would say, oh, it's Lalana. But it yes. wasn't. It was, it was Emre Chan and Jordan Henderson, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. and that's what they said. But they also said that they couldn't tell us anymore because yeah. <laughs> they were selling it at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, there is a very, very, very nice little one-minute video in the Optivision thing showing why what they do with with you know event data versus versus tracking data, and I do recommend everybody check that out. Now, Richard. Um, one thing we uh, we've always talked about is the way Statsbomb moved the needle in terms of the sophistication of their analytics, but this um, looks to be ratcheted up in terms. If this is this is like looks to me, this is um, a level above. Again, this is like raising the bar even higher now. What did you, what did you see when you saw, think when you saw this? It was something similar to that. Yeah, um, it definitely seems like um, we're seeing almost like the next wave of what you can do with analytics coming through here. Um, in particular, I think that the uh, active runs metric that they say they're going to bring, I feel like that's one of the first um, things I've seen where there's like a discrete event that is about off-ball movement in possession yeah. um, that I've seen from any provider, really. Yeah. Um, we, of course, have no idea what's going on privately, but certainly in public, that that's the first I've seen mention of it. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because you mentioned StatsBomb are usually ahead of the curve on this type of thing. And um, we know that StatsBomb have been releasing their 360, uh, uh, which is a similar but not quite the same um, kind of technology. Yeah. Um, but it feels like in this case, OptaVision is just going that little bit further, which is uh, unusual. Yeah, and I think I think Bart's is to do with data points, isn't it? The data richness of the data points because we know that. The opted stuff the, the the pro zone basically comes off fixed cameras around yep. the stadium six or eight cameras is it uh might have been up to 12 i think or some of them but i think it's yeah it's eight now eight eight's a sort of minimum i think now but so yeah the difference with stats bomb is is that do, 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 can you want to remind everybody how stats bomb collect their, their data it's off uh it's it's a fewer cameras, isn't it? It's from the broadcast. It's not broadcast footage. I think it's, it's, it's from the yeah. footage. Yeah, it's they, they, broadcast they, footage. Yeah, and so they've, just... they've got some very clever software which runs sits over the top of the broadcast footage. Yeah, and and collects the events from that footage, which is effectively what we teach the students to do with Game Breaker or Sports Code, which is effectively good broadcast footage and and then you annotate and you code it up yourself on yeah. the screen, right? Where they've got a tech thing or an AI pit, as you say, that sits on top, does it for you. But I think the thing that with the, the pressures that we all say about StatsBomb, and I'll, I'll be interesting to see with the Opta is, it's about the definitions. So obviously when you're coding like that, you, you've got to tell the system, that's a pressure, that's not, that yeah. is that kind of thing. And the, and the really exciting thing about this Opta doing it is Opta, I would suggest, are generally more accurate in their data than StatsBomb. Yeah. 
And therefore, if they've got that working, that could be a massive game changer using that amount of footage coming in. Was it, what's your quote? Was it a million? Three million data points. Three million million. data points coming in and they've got pressures working out. That could be really exciting to see. Exactly. So so, so, so it's worth worth well mentioning. While the product is called Optivision, right? The, the 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 company which owns them is Stats LLC, and Stats LLC meshes together two data providers. It meshes together what used to be Prozone and is now called Stats Perform. Yeah. Um, and Stats Perform has got a recruitment engine as well. It's got all kinds of stuff which you're able to see. And then Opta, which is the classic Opta events and the match collection going back pretty much, I'd say, pretty much 15 years, maybe even 20 years in the most basic forms of it. Yeah, probably Premier League start. Yeah, and and this is and this is basically the first time that we're, we're really starting to see them mesh stuff together. So I, yeah, I remember the likes of Duncan Alexander, Stat, yeah. uh, you know, um, and all the other and Opta Joe. They'll be the ones who you will see this coming from. And there is a very good Twitter account. The is it is it at, is it at the analyst? Yes, I think which that... is where they link to their kind of um, their more sophisticated stuff than the Opta Joe stuff, isn't it? They they kind of write a paper. They try and write a bloggy kind of papery type thing where they explain in stuff between, on that side. Yeah, yeah, in between yeah. Level, yeah, yeah. So I think yeah. well, I think you're right. This could be because obviously remember we last last week we talked about is it the AMSCO system which was the Spanish version of Prozone and then yeah. it got they they brought that out and they ended up being the same. So yeah, you can see the development coming through. Effectively, they've just been storing this data for years. Are not yeah. really doing anything with it, yeah. And then they've suddenly gone, oh, we could do this with it, and this could be. I, I know I, I get excited about data far too much, but I just think <laughs> this could be. You've got it's that amount of data points. Possible. It, it's just that amount of data points, and if you've got the algorithm working really well, you could get some fantastic output from that. You really could. Yeah. Just to say, Dan, what, what they mentioned on the uh, on that page that you've linked to um, in the group, it's the. Uh, the four things that, because you've got the metrics that they're going to pump out through this, but the kind of things that they're going to look at and they'll be able to do is like communicate player role changes and they might be able to do that even live during, they might be able to feed that into managers, you know, and see yeah. what the role changes are. Uh, passing tendencies from players. We've, got, we've had similar things like that before, but this is going to give you a new level of it. Um, and this is a key for me. It's like when people talk about players just from watching a game, you often get it wrong you, you your biases are involved but this identifying proactive players that is such an important thing for a manager to have if they haven't got it already but just like low down the leagues the players who who are proactive and those that like 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 what uh, phil was saying about the active runs and what richard was saying about the active run you, you want to know the information and you want it to be accurate about those players that do the right things even if it never gets found on the pitch you know if you're making a good run even though the past doesn't come to you, that's valuable information, isn't it? Yeah. But you don't, it's never picked up. No one ever knows about it because it's it's a run that you, 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 unless you see it with your eyes, you can't measure it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and Richard, um, I know um, there was a blog on this last year and it was it got posted in the UP chat on Discord. Um, it might have been you that posted it, but it was about the active runs. And it was, I think, I think unsurprisingly, I think Bobby Firmino was top, wasn't he? Can you recall that? Yeah, something along those lines. Right. Um, was that the one by David Sumter, where um, he was talking about uh, there's disruptive runs, disruptive um, runs yeah. and runs that go towards uh, space? Um, they had a few categories. I believe it was possibly work done with the Barcelona research team. Um, and yeah, basically they were, again, it was, as Phil was saying earlier about definitions, is that um, 
obviously there's movement happening continuously. So where do you start and end um, where the, the part of their movement that you decide is important and which you would define as a run, in quotes? Um, and then from there, if you've got the definitions, um, then you can then look to see what is that achieving and is there value to that? Um, the one posted in the chat is the one that I'm referring to. Yeah, uh, hopefully that is the same one that others yeah. are talking about. Yeah, there's definitely another one. It was on the analyst as well, but yeah, for sure. That was, um, thank you, Hugh, for posting that in the chat. So anyway, the reason we are going to talk about this a little bit more is that the one that they've said is going to be part of their um, offerings from next season, and, and we're going to expect to see more in the public domain, is um, uh, the shape analysis. And for the first time, what we'll see is, you know, we, we all love average position charts. And but what you will get is now we will now get um, position charts in possession and out of possession, which we've never had before because of the the stats, but the stats perform cameras and the camera tracking technology. And also, what we'll also then get is the shape analysis uh, views of these charts. And what do you want to? Um, who, who's who's looked into this and why this is the bit of the game changer and what it? Does anybody want to come in? Well, I just post. I would say there. that I think. There, there are flaws with the average position, possession, um, average position charts that we use. Yeah. Size, what size? I think size is one of the best, and when it comes to yeah. uh, granular analysis about this, he likes to. Um, what are those pitfalls? Right. Yeah, he likes to highlight the pitfalls because he he, he seems to pick up things and so, talk about it within the context of change of formation. Yeah, out change of formation is crucial. Change of formation screws yeah. with. Average position charts, doesn't it? Substitutions, yeah. yeah. Tactical if tweak. Got, if you've got if you've got a left back that keeps running over to take the corners in swinging off the right hand side, yes. and you've got five six corners in a half. It's going to have yeah. a direct impact on your average possession. So you'll get a left back who looks like he's playing centre mid, and it's just kind of, it's just a flaw, isn't it? Because they're vo they're volume based, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. The, the ones you got, and they're only on ball, which is but. I think we still say with that caveat, they give you a fairly good idea of, of your on-ball stuff. And I think, Darth, this bit is really good in terms of off-ball, which you can only get by their their access to their tracking data and their, their footage. Yeah. But that could be really good when we start marrying up our positions with the pressing shapes that we start. Do you know what I mean? We, start, we started to look at how we can marry up certain things in the public eye with the AI heat yeah. maps and that. And this could be really good to do that. Could do more than that. Anyway, I'll let you get a drink of water there, Phil. Sorry, mate. <laughs> um, but it, just on the um, um, the example they used in their blog was uh, Wolves at, uh, Chelsea versus Wolves last season, and um, I think um, Richards, you can see here that the the classic pitfall of um, Wolves made three tactical subs across the front three, um, and you can see we end up with everything just getting squished towards the centre of the pitch, as you might expect. Yeah, the defence is broadly okay. Yeah. Yep. And, and then. The Three are all on top of each other. Yeah, basically. Um, and uh, one of the things is that, of course, with changing positions, switching wings, all these kind yes. of rotations, which we use to disrupt formations, get aggregated together like that. Um, yeah. But then what the, the AI is able to do is to sort of filter all of that stuff out um, and then give you the overall shape, which is being created most of the time, even when individual players might have been moving yes. to different parts of that shape. Um, and so it, it untangles that knot for you. 
um, and puts it out there. And it's also quite useful that it gives you uh, percentages of how much of the match they were actually in a given shape. Yeah, um, so you can good, see for how that could be applied. You can imagine on something like Monday Night Football, which is what they mentioned at the start of this post, um, about uh, saying, okay, well, from minute one to minute 40, this was what was happening. But then the manager made a tactical change and then the shape yeah. became something else. Yeah. Um, and so you'll be able to tell how the shape was specific to certain moments um, going forward through the match. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the other ones that um, Optivision claims to have... Um, but not going to be in the public domain yet, unfortunately, are expected pass completion, uh, pass options and availability, uh, pass option quality, so really good stuff for playmaking here, and obviously maybe safe possession, maybe the, the, you know versus risky possession players. Um, but the one that we are going to look at next is expected threat. Um, now, um, Opta have, um, Stats, OptaVision have, has, a, has an expected threat. Um, there's lots and lots of bloggers out there in the public domain on Twitter um, who were all producing stuff with R and Python um, based on you know harvesting data from FB Ref. They're all producing expected threat data now. Yeah. Um, you, you, you've got StatsBomb who've got their own version which they don't release to FB Ref. So um, expected threat, right? But do you want to give us a quick overview why why expected threat is the is the is the natural successor if you like to expected goals. God blimey, because um, it's <laughs> it's multi-dimensional. Okay, so uh, we can put the link into the paper, but effectively it looks at the options of what the player has in possession in terms of move or shot, and applies a probability to that yeah. and what the outcome then, and then also works out the goal probability from them doing either of those actions. It then also looks at the probability of them actually where they move. So if you look at a grid on a on a on a pitch, I, I'm trying to uh, express sort of describe the image in front of me. But if you've got a, a a nine square grid and you're in the middle of that, you have eight options around you. Yeah. It'll work out the probability of which the player will move to in those eight other uh, squares, and then also with that at the same time give you the move, the shot, and the goal probability. So it gives you much more granular level of detail rather than just here's a, here's a, you're in this square in the box and your XG value is X or your XA value is X. So I think it, it allows us, I think, to look at, um, we talk quite a lot, we did towards back end of the season, maybe Diaz's decision-making and things like that. Yeah. Yes. So this would actually give you that in a quantifiable term, providing yeah. the data going in as well. This is why I prefer the Opta one to the other one, but anyway, is to tell you, right, Diaz made this decision. Actually, if he was in that position, the X, XT suggests that he should have made that decision. So that that could be really interesting going forward to see how that how that pans out. But I mean, the maths behind it is took me a while to work it out, but it is quite yeah. quite lengthy. But yes. um, it does make sense, honestly, from me valid- trying to validate that a little bit. It makes sense, yeah. um, and it'd be really interesting to see whether or not the Opta is the same as the one that the uh, other one that's out in the public domain. But um, yeah, if you go on that that link that uh, Rosie's put in there, I'd love to see how people because they do a little game in there about uh, they give you an example of a goal 
how yeah. you can split yeah, it between those. Yeah, so how you can split it down between Ozil and, and Klasalczyk, um, and then yeah. it comes to the end and tells you how the model would work it out. So, yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. So, yeah, overall, I think it gives us a lot more granular detail for each position on the pitch, providing you in the, in the grid, and, and that should give us a greater insight to understanding what we started to talk about on the pod end of last season about decision-making in the final third. Not only that, I think, it all, it's, it's trying to highlight the contribution of the player before the assist. Yeah, because so what, what, yeah, what it's doing there with the Erzl and Klasinac one is it, it's an absolute. I don't know if you can remember it, but if you go and have a look on that page that I've just posted, there's a brilliant pass from Erzl, like a little floated pass that picks out Klasinac, and he just cuts it back for a guy to tap it in. Now, the that goal doesn't happen without Erzl's con- contribution, and on sure. that little game, it tells you to estimate. So I'll be honest. It asked me to do it, and I'm pretty sure I did this before, but I did it today, and I gave 65% was Ozil's contribution for that goal. Um, but the expected threat estimate was 86%. So that shows you that like Kalasinic has basically done a 1 in 10 contribution to the goal, and it was all Ozil. And that's the key thing that he's trying to um, illustrate. And one of the biggest things is, they've obviously done it with the players, and then when they did it in 2018... Kevin De Bruyne came out on top of for the expected threat created. Then yeah. Seth Fabregas, and then they, they've done it this season. And uh, uh, David Sumter did it last season with his twelve model of expected threat. Kevin De Bruyne top again. Trent Alexander Arnold fourth, and Andrew Robertson ninth. All these pass the eye test, don't they? And yeah. that's yeah, massively. I think it's because we've we've had this before with XG chain, XG build, difference in XG, but they've all got limits, right? They either yeah. take out the assists or they're too far back. It, it doesn't bring it all together. So yeah, Rosie's spot on there. It brings it together, and I, I got I got um eighty two percent for the um my guess, but there you go. Oh. Um, so two two. Oh, eighty two. Did you two do it? No, no. I think I was seventy uh, percent or something like that. Yeah, that was about mine. But to Richard, um, the it's not it's not only called expected threat, is it? No, um, and uh, sort of if you like, you can think of it. You know, we compared to XG chain earlier. That um, the the idea is that it's individual actions which are being ascribed with value, rather than distributing an entire sequence of value equally across. All of the events in that sequence. Yeah. Um, so it gives you more granularity. And yeah. so you can think of it as okay, whenever an event happens with the ball, what is the value of that event? Um, which leads nicely into the name of the other one that we uh, have, which is from Statsbomb. Uh, and they call it on ball value. Um, so it's basically the same thing. Um, they've got um, their own methods mathematically for how they work it out, but unfortunately, we don't have access to those um, because no. that's and they only... don't put it on. More importantly, they don't yeah. put it onto FB Ref, do they? Either. Nope. No. That's no. only for their paying customers. Unfortunately, yes. um, the only thing we get is that sometimes their Twitter account will put out things, um, or they'll do little articles, usually just to advertise the product. Um, yes. But that's the little marketing. snippets we've gotten. Um, yeah. I'm hoping that they'll be doing their season previews like they did last year, <laughs> where we got some nice, juicy on-ball value stuff there, <laughs> like the fact that apparently Trent had been, according to them, the highest on-ball value player in the 2021 season, yeah. um, which was very uh, flattering for a Liverpool fan. Um, but 
the um, broad strokes is that this is their version of it, and it utilizes some extra context compared to the expected threat model that you'll get from most of the bloggers, that sort of thing, yeah. um, because they have access to their own private uh, 360 uh, broadcast footage showing you player positions and other contextual things in the same way that StatsBomb's freeze frames have helped with their expected goals model yeah. versus some of the other ones. Um, so and hopefully Optivision can do the same for Opta as well. The way I see it, this is very much like a VHS versus Betamax um, scenario here. We've got opt, or we've got on-ball ver- value versus expected threat, and one of them is going to stay and catch on and and and, into, and become the norm, and the other one is going to have to change its name later on. I love, <laughs> I love, uh, I love Dan's nineteen early eighties references. Uh, well, I could have said, what was it? I, I, I was going to say Blu-ray, but I forgot what Blu-ray's <laughs> competitor was. It, it was a, a, a high, high definition DVD. HDVD. That's right. Yeah. That was on yeah. Xboxes. Yeah. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, and so if you went back Blu-ray or yeah, Blu-ray or XDVD or HDVD. Well, you could have gone Laserdisc as well if you want to go really far back. You want to go yeah. <laughs> anyway, so but Rosie, more importantly than that, is there's another version of expected threat, isn't there? Because we know about this because Dr. Ian Graham of Liverpool, head of research yes. at C, went yes. on to the Free Economics podcast and told the whole world about it. Well, he did. Uh, he called it uh, possession value added or goal probability added. Um, yeah. And David Sumpner in his piece talks about this and he says it's basically exactly the same. And Ian Graham talked about us using it in recruitment during 2018-19. Yeah. Um, and now obviously Opta and Statsbomb have got their own. But it's just... Yeah, we, we think we started building that yeah. model, our own in-house model for expected threat, goal probability added, late 2017. Yes, yeah, yeah. With our with our with our rocket scientists and our with Will Spearman, <laughs> yeah, yeah. David Steele and who's the other one? I can't remember his name. That's really insulting. I can't remember the other fellow's name. Of oh yeah, uh, I don't know. Anyway, I come on, someone, stick it in a group. But yeah, yeah, it's and this is again something because someone told Gags, didn't they, um, off record, I don't know if it was off record, but it just said that Liverpool uh, weren't that keen on using XG and because they've got the, the next stage of it, but they had it five years ago, so they might even be on another level now. They might The things that we're talking about in the UP, um, what's next in football analytics, we might be talking about what Liverpool are using now in five years. Because that's how it works. In Waskett, Tim Waskett. Yeah. It's the third third musketeer. So uh, David Steele, Tim Waskett and um, Will Spearman. I think you're right, Rosie. I think we are probably, but we're going to be behind because we're not behind the paywall. You know, I, I, from my knowledge of working with clubs, XG is not used. You know, they they have their own in-house models. It just happens to be, because in this, this article you've linked this is the season before we go Supernova, isn't it? This is the season we get yeah. to yeah. Kiev. And and if you look at the profile of 3D Viz, we are, we're, I think we're fourth, fourth actually behind Tottenham and United. But we're, you can see the profile, I think, visually starting to come close to City. And then it, it would have been interesting to see what it looked like here when we went Supernova. But yeah, I, I think we're doing something far and away from that. But then that's not a surprise because they've got people paying every day to do it, haven't they? Yeah. Anyway, so, it should if you're paying if you're paying people who've worked in CERN and people who've worked on the yeah, you just <laughs> do you know what I mean? The, the, the people who literally look at the matrix and go, yeah, that's my life. You know, they're gonna pick stuff out. You know, 
Yeah. Yeah. So I think the the real strength of the Opta model here, or the stats perform Opta model, um, the this is their definition is that expected threat establishes the likelihood of a shot happening within the next ten seconds of play if a player were to receive a pass from a teammate. The model takes into account the on-field movement of all players, both defensive and offensive, before assigning a probability for a shot occurring. And it's basically, um, that is the advantage which no one else has got. Because although Statspawn have got their nice freeze frames of their video footage and stuff they can do stuff with, they haven't got the position of all 22 players on a pitch at all times. And I think it's that... I was going to say they could probably uh, Opta can do it live as well. Yeah. <clears throat> Whereas that's one won't be able to do it live. Yeah, they'll only be able to track it off the event move the event. Yeah. Before, yeah. And then but this is what this is. This is why, in terms of process, this is why the stats bomb XG doesn't up doesn't update until the following morning. Yeah, because of yes, yeah, yes. Time, yes. absolutely. Some are produced immediately. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so lots and lots of people talking about xt just like xg was back in seven years ago in demand and lots of different names of it lots of different versions of it right so the big thing with xt is because it was getting posted in the up discord chat a lot last season is it's a black box each model is a black box we don't know what happens within that model and all we get is some output so with it when you have that it's very difficult to establish what does good look like because you don't have, like you do when you go on to um, FB Ref, or you go on to even um, oh, um, Understat for expected goal, where you can easily get whole leagues, 38 matches for each team, history, seasons of history of data, and you can, you can make league-wide comparisons. Because when you just see an expected threat for a match, it's very difficult to to apply yeah. any 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 yeah, real yeah. mean. All you can do is, um, if you got, say, for example, say that that Chelsea Wolves match we talked about earlier on, right? Say that you went to one of the bloggers who was look putting out his post match stuff there, and he saw his expected threat. All you could do would be look at the expected threat for all twenty two players within the context of that match, and you wouldn't even know, for example, whether the high figure for XT in that match was actually a high figure overall. It might have been a really low game for XT, and but the high the high person in that game wasn't actually that good. You know, so it's without that context, it's very difficult to know what good and bad look like with XT. But yeah. and, and it was, yes, and it was like this in the first years of XG as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think you've also the other variable that we've we've now learned to take out of XG is penalties, right? Yes. So it'd be interesting to see how that starts coming in, because presumably the same problem will occur in XT that you'll have all this. If there's a penalty <laughs> given in that move, then that yeah. will inflate the XT value. Greatly yeah. because it will turn the goal scoring opportunity to a point oh, off the top of my head. You know what I mean? It will turn it to a massive chance rather than uh, the, whatever the chance would have been from that place. So, yeah, that'll be really interesting how it develops. I would still back the Opta to come out. So, if that's your Betamax, then I think Betamax might win this war because I think this this type of model with that many calculations, the quality of data coming into it is critical. And that's why I think the Opta data coming into it with that many cameras will produce a more cleaner, clearer, uh, valid outcome than the stats bomb. But happy to be wrong if that goes the other but way. But neither of them are sharing it publicly anyway. No, so. they're not. No. <laughs> no. 
No, it's, it's, absolutely, it's absolutely vital, Ophel. Look at our pressing data. We couldn't yeah. do it without the video footage. If you've got eight cameras on every game and you're able to get... It's a huge advantage, right? It's a massive advantage over doing it freeze-frame with an AI. Because I mean, you, if, if, you, if we gave you eight cameras worth of footage... That make your would it make your job easier or harder? Or as I've spoken with Dan on the uh, pressing um, WhatsApp group numerous times this season, the amount of times they cut to a replay and I miss like two, three presses, <laughs> yeah. right? It's so yeah. frustrating. So I, I, I think there's like a one percent um, right. on a game, yeah. Which is, is doesn't sound like a lot, but if you've got three hundred presses, it. it it could yeah. be, it could be all sorts of things going on. Yeah, and yeah. if you have that three, four times a game, it could be, you know, it could go up to twenty presses from a three hundred press match. Yeah, so and with, yeah, with the fixed cameras around the stadium, it's it's unbiased. You're always you're going to get that all twenty two players. And, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So a question then for those who were um, there for when expected goals was going through the same process. Um, how long did it take for expected goals to go from being something that was behind a whole bunch of black boxes on blogs to starting to get itself onto websites that were accumulating it and giving it to you in enough context that you could start properly seeing what was going on? Kayleigh did a really good, detailed breakdown of his model quite early on. He was was one of the first ones I saw. And then obviously understat turning up was a big thing um, because they had such a wide sample of data that we didn't have before. Uh, yeah. and, it was free. Shop, and also shop shop based um, XG as well for the first time yes. with understat. Was yes. Info goal is obviously been one of the best. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it, it's it's a tough one, I think, for providers because you've got the individual guys like Kayleigh and then you, and um, the Dutch lad who's named. <laughs> oh, Sander, Tegan. Yeah, Sander. 11, uh, Tegan, 11. Yeah. yeah, Tegan, 11. And so you've got the individuals and then you've got the massive data providers like Opta and Opta have started putting theirs on fantasy football scout in the last three or four years. Yeah, 538 um, was another one which came on fairly early. Which is yeah. a, it's a different take on it and it's quite an um, optimistic model. But um, XG definitely grew in, um, in the early days through... Public, um, public collaboration, um, just yeah. through, through through bloggers mainly, um, and exactly. you know you went through just for the whole thing of all shots, and then collecting stuff manually, then to scraping data from say typically from who scored was the go to at that point for getting actual shot data, people who could actually code in Python and get stuff to scrape there. Then that all of a sudden they ended up with databases of twenty thousand shots to get better models that way. Then it was factoring in. You know information about the key info, like headers versus foot shots. Then it was, oh, you know the the shot type, set piece, free kick, open play. Um, what well, what came after that, Rosie? Well, we're, okay. we're going to go on to the difference, the the changes mm. in what's oh, yeah. done with their XG. But yeah, things like having uh, how many players are in the way. Where's the keeper? Yeah. Uh, Katie was the first one to do dribbles, wasn't he, and stuff? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But do you think? Do you think the acceptance came? I'm just thinking of a different angle. I I completely agree with you guys coming from West Develop, but I think the acceptance came when it when it first got put on match of the day. Yeah. Huge factor, yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like that's when it goes from being Twitter to mainstream TV. So if Opta's expected threat that they're providing with OptaVision, then if that could make its way onto the Sky Sports coverage or some other media coverage which has got a contract with them, then 
that might start seeing you want someone like an understat to come along don't you eventually um, yeah. who can start providing you with expected <laughs> threats yeah it's just yeah. The, as you said though the contract the league is with opta isn't it so yeah. and they all that's a, almost a monopoly in terms of how to get it to the media because if they said it to sky as this being the next big thing and they can get Carragher to explain it it'll be on every game and on sky sports whereas um, I guess the others won't. FBF don't have a contract with the Premier League yeah. on the screen, so we're up to do so. The analytic yeah. point of view, Dan, I just think it's really interesting because I did an analysis of the Liverpool Swansea 5 0, maybe 2013, and I was there and I watched it, and there were 30 shots. And then I broke down each shot in a, in a post and had a look at the various things at the time. And I remember looking at it, it was like the, the metrics that you had then were was it a big chance or not? Yeah. Um, mm. You had Paul Riley, Football Fact Man's um, spam model that I was using. You know, um, where, where, in, how close was it to the goal? Because he had various things. So that was a basic extreme. It was a ben Ben Torvani's expected ben goals Torvani. calculator. There yeah. you go. And he used to go and put, and then I, yeah, and I did that, and I went and Danny, put the Danny, New York. No, no, from New York. Danny from New York oh, City. Altman. No, no. Um, the other one. Anyway, <laughs> he's got. A, he had like an expected goal simulator as well. You put in Page, Danny Page, yeah, yeah, yeah. Danny Page. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, and th- but that's the difference, isn't it? You, that's why XG came about because yeah. because people who were doing amateur analytics were saying all shots aren't equal. They're definitely yeah. not. We need to figure out a way to to validate and show this to the public. And obviously, we've had all the. F- how many times have we all been called virgins when we start talking yeah. about it's a goal model? <laughs> you know? <laughs> but this is where it came from. This yeah, is yeah. how it evolves. So yeah, the last thing, trying to wrap this up, um, what I would say is that, that there's um, neither Opta or Statsbomb are going to give us this information, right? The only way we'll get it and we'll see it is if you follow the Stats bloggers. I can think of two off the top of my head. as uh, There's Call Me Alfredo. Um, at call me Alfredo and at Mark R Stats. Um, do anybody know any others? There are others, but I can't think of any off the top of my head. No, but call Mark R's the one I use. Mark R Stats, yeah, and he's got a bot now which puts yeah. it all out. You know, and <clears throat> he will give you XT every game. So, um, what I would suggest is just they always take that with a pinch of salt, and unless you're going to start collating and recording the input. The, the outputs of all Markar's stats and translating into your own data sources with to do aggregated analysis. Just be careful because it is that black box. Um, but yes, uh, and they and they no, will. We do acknowledge that fact with our pressing, don't we? That we yeah. have the context of the league. That's the biggest. All we can do yeah. is compare it against other Liverpool matches. Against Liverpool matches, yeah. Yeah, but we do have that in our own database, so we can do that. Whereas with Markar, um, it's just screenshots on Twitter every time, so you're going to have to aggregate stuff yourself. Exactly. Um, but yes, just so just be clear, those guys all will do scraping from um, from FBref to to basically work out their models, and they will somehow be hacking the individual <laughs> the individual stats bomb match files to get this data. I don't know how they will do that, but that's the only way I can think they must be doing it. Um, right, so that's expected threat. Uh, next one on the list is. Uh, the stuff which is really available publicly, and that's stats bomb via FB Ref, and their um, their new tweaks for the coming season. So, Richard, um, 
there's been a big publicity drive back, and I think it was at the start at the end of May, as soon as this last season finished, didn't it? Yeah, you May know? 16th was the article date. <laughs> Don't waste any time, do they? Nope. Um, they know what but, they want to do. Yeah. So there's two main ones. We'll look at one by one. First one is changes to their XG model, and secondly is the line-breaking passes. So, okay, so let's look through the XG model tweaks. And what do we, first of all, do we know what the end result of this is going to be? How much, how much, how much is going to move the needle in terms of their accuracy? Is, do, we, do we know what the out, end outcome is going to be like? So as with the usual things on this, it's usually um, very small changes on the aggregate scale when you've got the entire sample and most shots will not be affected too much. But it tends to be the extreme events that become improved. Uh, when you have these things. Um, uh, all keeper out of position. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so you'll have uh, a bunch of different sort of things. Um, I believe uh, shot velocity, for instance, is one of the things that they're adding in now. And so if a player took a shot which was like unusually slow, um, maybe because they'd like stubbed it or something and it was only rolling along the ground, then that would be an extreme event that might get affected quite drastically but for the most part it's going to be um very small changes just sort of like a a hundredth percentile you know here or there basically yeah okay and what are the main things to look out for in the what they've done to upgrade um their xg model do we have a list of things that have changed uh well, one of them was the um, shot execution that I mentioned with the, the shot velocity in their post-shot XG models. Um, I believe I'm just trying to find the part of the article where they do. Uh, yeah, I've, I've got the list. It's just it's on the Stats Bomb XG Summer 2002 upgrade. It's got uh, improved... Well, it always talks in, like, um, very... Uh, they like to market themselves, don't they? They do, yeah. The new model has an improved response to blocker and or goalkeeper positioning. It doesn't mean anything in one sentence. They do have a, a good couple of paragraphs explaining it. Um, reliability on long shots. Better understanding of goalkeeper positioning and its contribution to suppressing XG values. That's really important. We mm. all talk about it. Um, not only does it help you understand how good a shooter is, but it helps you understand how good a keeper is at preventing. Um, that That's the next point, understanding finishing skill. Um, yeah, and then they're updated it now. So it's, it's because they were one of the only models with the defensive pressure element involved. Um, I'm not sure of how much improvement it's going to give, to be honest. It's I also... I'm also dubious about how much you can improve the model from what it was based on the the features they're using. Success. Yeah, you know, shot shot velocity is is tricky unless you've got a really high hertz of uh, sampling rate of the image. Well, they'll be they will be constrained by the footage, which is a certain frame rate. It's a certain frame rate. It's a certain frame rate, so that so the accuracy of that is is already reduced. You know what I mean? You're not you're not you're not directly accurate. You're you're not directly uh, measuring the speed of the ball. You're measuring it on a freeze frame, uh, yeah. and whether or not the the sample has been right to capture it, or you get a blurred image. So is that is that just an equation from the point the 
Yeah, so that'll be there, an equation. There will, there will be a mathematical way of proving yeah, but it's the distance of the shot, the and and then the, what they can actually do in terms of the t- calculating a time lapse with their coding. Yeah, um, based on the number of frames they've got in their on their and their frame rate. So there, there is. If there's any mis- guys who were doing machine learning coding, listening to this pod, give tell us what the margin of error on that's going to be. Well, I'm just thinking, like, surely they, they must understand the different frame rates from different footage that they're going to be using because the footage that they're going to get for the Premier League is going to be very different from like Belgian League Two, isn't it? I think they'll get the same. Honestly, I think they'll get the same quality feed though. Their whole business, I think the, the business model is based on the quality of the footage, right? So I'd imagine they've got a contract to get high-def footage for all the leagues they do it for. Yeah. Like 1080 feet. I just can't, yeah, that's such a rate-limiting step for them not to do that. Um, well, I think that they, they will do that. They're not, they're, not, they're not stupid. They've got some very good data scientists. Exactly. Right? So yeah. I'm, I'm sure they'll have, they'll have looked at the potential constraints and potential margin of error and still think it's worthwhile doing. Oh, yeah. Now, so I think it's improving. Yeah, I think for us, we'd have to make... Yeah. Um, can I ask a question to Richard again, follow-up? Um, based on based on the things that you've read about what they're changing, do you think the biggest improvements is actually going to be to their single-match XG figure rather than the um, aggregated player-level analysis? For certain matches, yes. Um, or it... A better way, I suppose, would be thinking about it in terms of the consistency of their single player, uh, single match rather, um, values. Because if there is an unusual event that occurs in that match, which would not be a large part of their sample, then in previous attempts, if that would not be factored in, and therefore you might find that for that individual match, the um, uh, the XG values that they're giving could have one or two shots that are inaccurate. And that then affects the whole. Um, here, with these things now being sorted out, it would mean presumably that the certain individual matches in which the unusual events occur would improve. So you might find that if there's 10 matches, eight of them are going to stay the same, two of them are going to change, and they're going to be better now. So you can put a little bit more trust, if you do trust the model, that um, the specific match that you're on you know, before you could have worried that it was maybe one of the two. Now those two are accurate as well, so there's less reason to worry. Yeah. Although saying that, um, because they give us this in the, in the public domain via FB ref, uh, and um, it's still not going to make a cat in hell's difference to me because they're still going to do it to one decimal place, which absolutely bugs the hell out of me. <laughs> nothing, yep. nothing frustrates Dan Moore. <laughs> I mean, actually, value to. I mean, that's why you can only use the FB ref data in aggregation, isn't it? Really, because mm-hmm. yeah. you can't. Yeah, because you know, is is it, you know, if somebody if somebody has an an XG value of point one, right? It could be anywhere. Between 0.05 and 0.14. That's massive. It is huge. Really a one in 20 is. chance to a one in seven chance. For sake. What is it? Yeah, anyway. Right. Uh, Regular listeners will understand that. Right. Yeah. Now, line breaking passes. Okay. Now, I have a really stupid question to start off, right? We already have, um, and we've had it since the very start of Opta, we've already got through balls. Why do we need line-breaking passes? Richard. So, um, essentially, uh, because through balls, you can kind of think of it as that through balls are a subset 
of line breaking passes. They are a type, but ah. not every type. Very um, good. Very good. So um, because of that, essentially the what we know about throughballs being really good, um, this is essentially extrapolating that out to all manner of line breaking passes that can do it in different contexts. Um, especially given that sometimes you know the classic one would be the Tiago style pass, right? Um, we know that Tiago doesn't get loads of assists or anything like that, um, but we know that what he is brilliant at is that the way he can pass often can break open opponent structures in a way that completely destroys their defensive shape and then creates a situation where our forwards can start exploiting the fact that they're all unbalanced and out of position. Um, and yeah. so these line-breaking passes, um, which can sometimes be in deeper positions, um, are uh, very useful um, for the more uh, sort of less obvious parts of play uh, and good attacking, especially in build-up. Um, and so when Statsbomb talk about this in their article, um, they're basically just using it to uh, essentially do what, again, what you were talking about earlier, Phil, with definitions. Um, so they've got like a, a little picture, uh, which you'll see in the article that's been linked in the chat, um, where they've got uh, a bunch of different types of passes. Um, so they've got, for instance, the uh, attacking switch, which is where um, the player... Let You can imagine this as being the Trent Alexander-Arnold pass over to Robertson on the other side. Um, you've got uh, attacking forward passes of different lengths. Um, you've got uh, crosses into the box. All of these are different contexts in which you might be passing the ball through defenders. Um, and they can have different effects. Uh, and also players will have their own styles that they like to do. Um, and so this helps you to look at the types of passes that individual players might make and where they're generating the value that they are with their line-breaking passes, essentially. So it's just we, a use case that comes from it. So unfortunately, it looks like this isn't going to be made available to us on FBref, correct? Nope. No. So this is the, this is the, 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 the proprietary stuff again, right? Do we know how they would how they would present um, um, line breaking passes in a in the quantitative way? Obviously, they're going to have a nice visuals, right? Obviously, but in terms, of, would it be in the same way they do it progressive, where they have line breaking passes per ninety, line progressive distance per ninety, and maybe um, defenders bypass per ninety? Uh, they... I imagine that it's going to be the first two. Um, they released another article uh, about ball progression where they. Basically, they did a, a investigation into packing stats and how useful those are for predicting goals versus their own on-ball value stuff. It seemed nice. like the conclusion they came mm. to was that basically um, the best thing is if you have both, but the on-ball value on its own was better than packing on its own. And so in the absence of being able to put both of them together, they were fine with just on-ball value. So I would imagine... They will tell you how many line-breaking passes a player makes and what specific types they were. Um, they will give you the distance, and they will also give you the on-ball value generated by that line-breaking pass. So can I just be reading with my cynical hat on? Can I just clarify here that Statsbomb wrote an article that said that their product metric was better than Absolutely. their competitor, yeah. competitor's yeah. product they metric? They didn't. Okay. Oh, really? That's, that's <laughs> so unlike them, Darth. <laughs> Like I say, they like to market themselves. <laughs> can, I, can I just add one point on the marketing? They have included 
Trent Alexander-Arnold is the top image. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, the two the two best line breaking passes in world football at the moment to me are Trent Alexander-Arnold and Kevin De Bruyne. If you if you it, those are the two, if you're gonna like with the expected threat, like with this new metric, those two are gonna come out on top because just just from the eye test of watching them both, and they're both two of the best passes I've ever seen. Thiago's the other, and Thiago's the most valuable one in this context because yeah. he's the one that doesn't have the outcome metrics that you need to know. So, like Liverpool fans make all the arguments about John Henderson being too safe in possession and Thiago being unbelievable. I'm not sure it's that clear cut, but it's definitely a difference. Thiago makes riskier passes that break lines but doesn't break the final line, which is where the through ball metric comes in, whereas Trent does both. Kevin De Bruyne does both. I think it's a fair shout, Rosie. I think it's um, adding a layer of, of uh, granularity to that data, isn't it? Um, Richard, do you know if they're going to do two combinations? So can you have an attacking switch and that be an attacking wide ball? I don't think so, because the attacking wide would have to be up the line, uh, I think. Um, it, I, I, think, I think the definition of a switch. I think you might be able to be, do both because this definition of switch is it has to go from within a. It has to go a certain amount of meters across the pitch from right to left or vice versa. It has to. I think there, there is a there is a number on it in the stats bomb um, definition. You know, like one of Thiago's best balls is the switch that then fades down the line. City City at Wembley, he fades one in a switch to Mo down the line. So it's mm. not a straight. Switch. Do you know what I mean? And that yeah. yeah. yeah backs up what Rosie's saying about it. he put a player in a position but he wouldn't have done that with a straight ball yeah it has to be a bit of bent but I don't know how that yeah I just no, wonder whether no, no. you do too well come back to what I was saying before again is that you know we might not even have these in 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 um in FB ref and if we do nah. have them in FB ref it's just going to be a purely quant view of it we're not yeah it's just going to be uh you know scraping you know in because in, it'll be effect. yeah the passing comes in as medium short long doesn't it yeah on FB ref so this yeah. This might come out in a few years' time once they've given up flogging it, and it'll be like right. Yeah, when, yeah, here when you are, then they yeah. releases the public side after that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. the most important thing, as I said before at the start, is that Optivision also have their line breaking passes one as yeah. well. I don't know which yeah. came first, but uh, yes. So, um, but again, obviously the benefit there is again they do have that whole field, twenty-two players view. So in theory, yeah. the Opti the Opti guy Optivision would be able to do the packing as well, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And they would be able to combine that their expected threat to add it all together. Because I would assume the most valuable part would be the amount of the amount of op- opposition defenders you, you do take out of the game. Uh, you know, um, so anyway, depend. Well, I guess it depends on the zone of the pitch you're in to start. To be fair, um, but yeah. Anything more on stats bomb and public? We're going to see. We are going to see, Richard. I think it's going to say we're going to see the odd stuff come out. The odd blog from stats bomb. The odd stuff from the the official account, which is going to have this kind of stuff in it, isn't it? But we're not going to get access to regular data. Yep, it's the unfortunate side effect of the success of data in football is that now there's so much money in it that the data providers don't need to release it to the public so much anymore. So it's going to take a little while longer, I think. Yeah. So and back in the day, enough, it's fair enough. Yeah, back in the day, it was hard enough to get the Opta data without getting an Opta license. Then we, obviously, Gags was the first to ever break that wide open. Um, and also then... subscribed by John Henry. <laughs> <laughs> That's 
than that. Also, there was like Blackburn and Fulham, where they were definitely subscribing to AI, you know, the, the, the stats centre. Portland were under Allardyce. That was the that was the original way of getting um, OptaData, but now you can get OptaData through the apps and Stats uh, ProZone. No, not ProZone, StatZone, sorry, StatZone, who scored still the main ones. Um, but then, to be fair to StatsBomb, they did put so much stuff into the public domain on FBREF, and it, it does, in terms of their quanti- on the quantitative side, which I don't know if you what you think, but it does dwarf what you can get from the Opta sites, doesn't it? Yeah, FBREF. absolutely. And like you can get um, all kinds of um, proxies as well, you know, the progressive passes, all this sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then we have to wait, unfortunately, Bart, for for the next um, the next bit. Somebody to release into public. Yeah, I, I think you're right. We have a a moan at Statsform being the model they are, right, and the fact they got rid of slices, which no one liked. But um, some of the work they have done to bring stats to the public domain, yeah, you, you yeah. do have to take your hats off to that because without them, I don't think there would be the understanding of what, uh, what? data analytics is really. Well, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have. The likes of Mark R. Stats and call me off. No, you wouldn't, because no. otherwise you've got to bring it together from three or four different sites, and people just aren't going to do that. You know, no. I know we do for a pod, but that's different, isn't it? You know, I'm just saying on, on the general domain. Then, not... yeah. Okay. Um, now, another another uh, person, another site upgrading their expected goals model. Richard, it's Opta. So what yeah. are, what are, what what are Opta doing with their expected goals model? So they're doing, uh, essentially, um, they're using, doesn't say it explicitly, but you can imagine that their Optivision is definitely helping with this. Um, but they have got their uh, Stats Performs AI Intelligence Quinn, that's what they call it, um, which has basically uh, added in extra contextual factors to their shots um, that will allow for their data to be more accurate similar to what we were discussing before, it's about taking certain more unusual situations that will help those individual shots to become more accurate, and which will be broadly small effects across entire season aggregates, but which will help the specific shots get a lot better. Um, So we've got here their list. uh, So they're now including the clarity that the shooter has of the goal mouth, the amount of pressure that they are under from opposition players, the goalkeeper position, uh, the foot which was used, weak or strong, um, and headers, and then um, preceding actions, like you would presume uh, through balls um, or rebounds. Uh, these are the sorts of things which um, you would think are likely to be included, although they don't say what all of them are. Yeah. Um, and then uh, they then end it with just saying, and other stuff too. Yeah, <laughs> but Rosie, we um, there was a short-lived betting site. I think it was Stratabet. Yes, and we did them on UP while they were publishing stuff, and that's where Ashwin Raman um, got his big break, wasn't it? Was working yeah. with Stratabet. Yeah, um, I think better known for Ashwin for being the Indian fella from Dundee United who got like um, attacked in the media by proper football men. Um, oh god that was disgusting as well yeah, anyway a really yeah. a really um m- no nothing about the article was in any way provocative and it just got a load of stick from a yeah. load of idiots we're all yeah. at it though. yeah absolutely but yeah so um but we talked about 
strata bet back at the time and we went as soon as, as long as it was available in public which was only about a year and a bit i think um because of the defensive pressure stuff rosie yeah the defensive pressure stuff like we talked about with the stat <laughs> model it's 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 one of the most important things just think about it picture it in your head if you've got a shot 10 yards out just it's, it's centrally 10 yards out with just the keeper to beat or you've got a shot 10 yards out that's just come from the second phase of a corner and there's like six players in front of you, five defenders or three defenders, two of your own players and a keeper. The XG value is a massive difference. It has to be. Um, Stats bomb on the article that was linked earlier. I've got a really nice little visual about how players being in, in front of a shot make it influences the XG value. And it's, it's crucial. So you could have a... A one in two, a fifty percent shot, or you could have a one in a five percent shot. So you could have a, a one in twenty. You yeah. know that's the difference that the defensive pressure makes. It's so important to understand that when you quantify an XG, and that's you've got understat who are obviously public and give you a huge sample, but don't yeah. have this kind of added value. But you're not going to have the added value without a huge investment. So. This is the most, it's, I think it's one of the most important aspects of extreme models. If you are not taking into account the defensive pressure on the shot, then you could be a long way out. I think yeah. Scout have got a pretty poor model when it comes to these yeah. kind of things. We just we use Scout for video, really. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> they, but they shouldn't be that bad. No. And they were taken over by, was it Huddle or they were taken over by someone mm. should have made a difference. Um, but even we were looking at some of the models that they had, uh, in like the Coca-Cola Cup final, Coca-Cola Cup final, another 80s reference. Yeah. Could have said milk. Yeah. And all the, um, and the, and the games that where we couldn't get a large sample of XG models, which is kind of what we're talking about here, isn't it? Because yeah. The reason why we take such a huge sample is because it gives you a good solid average of the best and the worst of the models that we're using. Yeah. Now, if you just go, let's use the Y Scout model, which some people do, it's going to be inaccurate a decent amount of the time looking at. They've got shots on there that are like 45% from some of our players. And then you go onto the main models and it's like 10%. And you're just like, what, what are you looking at? Yeah. Why, why is your model pumping that oh. out? Just wrapping up this one, I just want to say that one of the most important, in my opinion, one of the most important public analytics blogs of all time, uh, I've just put it in the chat, is Bodies on the Line. Uh, now, this is by Laurie Shaw. Now, Laurie um, made the news about a year ago because he was hired by Manchester City, unfortunately, um, as they attempt to bridge their analytics gap to Liverpool FC. Um, but... This was back in 2017, and it, Laurie wrote and um, did this using the Stratabet data. And um, I, I put it into the live show chat, but there's the four images on how um, light pressure um, or defensive pressure changes the value of the of the shot in terms of quite significant ways. Um, and um, yeah, so yeah, so this is going to the good news though, um, Bart, is because it's Optus' expected goals model, we are going to get this next season. Indeed, uh, which get it through understat. I, we get it for understat, uh, obviously in the public, uh, on the public feed. Yeah. yeah, if you look at some of the images, 
uh, it backs up what Rosie said there. It, these are spot on. You know, you've got the one they used Liverpool on two of them, actually. They've got Jota with an open goal on the current model for the season this was in. It was a 0.68 chance, but on the new model, it goes up to a 0.9 because there's no one in the way of, of Jota making the shot. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one is a, is a one-on-one with a keeper, which was given a 0.36 because it's one-on-one with a keeper. But actually, the pressure on the ball reduces that chance down in the new model to a, to a 0.06 chance. So I think this could be really good. And as you say, we will access to this data. So that'd be really good. That'd be, that'd be really good. Really, really I mean, good. And, 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 and um, the, the shot clarity one is, is almost just like um, trigonometry, isn't it? Because it's yeah. basically how you, you basically got between the shooter and the frame of the goal, you're always going to have a triangle. And depending on that positioning of that first defender, how close they are, how much of a view of the goal you've got, that's, that, that's probably almost more important because than, than the actual, um, the defensive pressure because you, you it's almost certainly going to result in a block if you if you, know, yeah. you haven't got the angle to shoot definitely and this comes back to what you said at the beginning they've sort of married together their their data collection side with their you know what i mean the whole part of the company is now seems to come together to create a better model of performance uh yeah. a better model of stats coming out i just i really be amazing to get behind the scenes because this linked in with x2 with the rest of it, it could be you could get some really good stories come out of that yeah in the data Right, and then the final one we've got to you to look at is is not a data collection company, Rosie. It's an no. individual or a, a, a fella who is um, a university science graduate, um, John Harrison, and he's now working with um, a goalkeeper consultancy. Is that right? He has his squared his own goalkeeper consultancy. Um, two things. One is like is like second generation Gags, is there? Because Gags yeah. was the original. Um, I just go and analyze individual matches from video and collect data points. Um, but John came along and absolutely has revolutionized goalkeeper analysis. As a keeper myself, I think he's one of the most, um, the best followers on Twitter. He is absolutely incredible. Um, anyway, he, he analyzed every single and i think this is the most important aspect of his analysis he's analyzed every single one-on-one situation in premier league football for the last few years um he's clearly a very clever guy he does his logistic regression and stuff and i don't know you know we'll get phil, we'll get back to talk about that phil, phil can explain that stuff but he, he gives it kind of it, it, it gives five examples of what a keeper should do in a one-on-one situation and how he's taken and quantified this is incredible so a keeper can wait really deep and then react to the shot so you david de gea <laughs> uh, you can engage and then react to the shot engage and smother the ball engage and just spread yourself as wide or engage and just try and block it standing up and it's a really interesting aspect of goalkeeping because if you look at if you look at some of the numbers and he did and you can get it on YouTube so go and have a look I'll, I'll post a link on but it's he goes on to uh, Redman TV the stat show that we've done with Chris down a few times yeah and he goes on there and he compares Allison to David de Gea and this was game week 29 of last season it's absolutely so important analysis this he says Allison's overall value in goals was fifth plus 15 plus 15 from the average right plus 15 goals from the average 
Now, in a season with that many, and this is just Premier League, so in a season with... Is that plus, plus 15 goals prevented? No, it's plus 15 goals if you have a look at the three different metrics that he considers. Ah, okay. Total goals stopped, which is your general stop, shot stopping, your one-on-one, and your penalties. Alisson didn't face any penalties, so that's that's zero. His one-on-one stopping was plus seven expected goals, right? Which is the best in the world. There's no better at one-on-one stopping, according to John. Um, you've got total goals, goals prevented, which is coming to claim a cross, your through ball sweeping, your shot handling, and then you've got total goals distributed, which is the ones he's contributing to, which is his general passing and then his passing under pressure. Every single metric that Alisson is, came under is positive. He just adds value to our team, which we all know. It passes the mm. eye test, and that, this is the brilliance of it. But us stats nerds love this kind of breakdown. Now, flip that to David De Gea. So, general shot stopping. Alisson, plus two expected goals. David De Gea, plus ten. He's an absolute shot stopping machine. He's one of the best shot stoppers you're ever going to see, David De Gea. Fact, and has been. But he's absolutely a terrible overall keeper if you look at the other metrics. So he's minus five on total goals presented. He's, he, Man United lose four goals a seat, four goals in 29 game weeks from his crossing, cross claiming. That's how bad he is. He's passive, he yeah. He's always been passive. He can't claim a cross. It doesn't come to claim crosses, or, or he can't. Mm. He's one on one stopping, just plus one. It's nothing. He's, he costs cost them goals on his passing. A goal, minus one. Is it this? this so what I would say is, what I would say is, though, he could still be. A, yeah, done, isn't he, could, he could still be a success, though. But in 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 the team would have to would the, the team wouldn't be able to play in certain ways. Well, the team is adapting because he cannot play with a high line, whereas yeah. Henderson, their other keeper that they're paying hundred grand a week to never play, he he when when he plays they play, they, under Solskjaer, they play the high line. Yeah. Yeah, if you're, if it's it's just endemic of Man United's philosophy at the moment. They've got individual performers in positions, but they've mm. got more unity of structure. They're not they're not thinking. David de Gea is amazing at shopping stops, sh- stopping shots, but we need a keeper that's going to contribute to our overall tactical setup. It's vital. We've got we've got Alisson who can who's got individual attributes like the one on one stopping, like the passing, like the coming to claim crosses, but he's also a brilliant sweeper keeper and he yeah. suits our tactical system. Now, when we had Mignolet, even under Klopp, we struggled because yeah. he wasn't that keeper. Yeah. And thankfully United are acknowledging that. So yeah, John John Irison is is one of the best. He does, if you have a look at the thread, and it's a thread from June 17, he's pinned it to the top of his uh, Twitter feed. Go and have a look at that thread because it's brilliant because he breaks it down with individual examples, but he also gives like an optimal what a keeper should be doing <clears throat> in certain situations. Yeah. And so Alisson just absolutely wipes the board with everything. So, but this, just in bringing it back to kind of what we said before about XT. Um, mm-hmm. It's slightly different to XT, isn't it? Because John is the only one doing this. Yeah. He's the, the only one looking at, uh, what does he call it? Is it uh, preventing goals or? Shot prevention. Shot prevention. That's and goal, it. Yeah, goal prevention and shot prevention. Goal yeah. prevention, which, yeah. funnily enough, you talk about a lot of defenders. 
like yeah. there's there's that missing metric but right? you can actually do it keepers the other stat that i thought writing was that the higher let's you know it can see the 0.12 expected goals per 90 which is like yeah crazy yeah. from his crowd it's just nuts but Decent regression is it regression yeah. if anyone wants to know is just uh analysis looking at output and potential inputs on that output to then predict that output so this mm-hmm. is looking at various components and saying right what's the output is the xg what, what can be impacted by that and to what degree that's what regression does it it's black box stats but he's put it in the open really well because he's fantastic yeah um, so he's there is now a website goalkeeper.com yeah and I'm, I'm hoping that this is going to have stuff which is going to be maintained throughout the season and at least with john's twitter feed is he does he does put a lot of data out there um he doesn't he hasn't got to the, to the stage of uploading excel sheets and google you know for example in you know google drive nah. but he he's still got he's, he's still pretty liberal isn't he with sharing his data i think it's yeah it's it pretty I'm good why is Dan you done that he's not been uh, absolutely employed by one of the top clubs and just taken out of the stratosphere? Well, I, I'm not going to blow my own trumpet, but I, I helped him get onto the Carragher thing last last year because uh, on on Sky, you do, I think it was about about three matches to go when Carragher did the big thing on Monday Night Football because Carragher Carragher DMs me quite a lot and asks me for ideas, and I actually said just look at this guy's Twitter feed, and then he basically gave me a massive shout out on the show, and then. You know, so yeah, it's 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 just people who who are nerds doing nerdy things in their spare time. That's all it is. It's the classic, isn't it? He's a Cambridge graduate as well. He's yeah. In, yeah, in in astrophysics, I think. Yeah, he's he's a really clip. <laughs> Do you know my worry with this is that because he's that open, someone's going to take his method. Yeah, mm, someone's already. Yeah, no, it's not 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 they're going to. They definitely are doing already. Do you know what I mean? That, that's that's my worry. Is like he's put it out there. Good faith. Yeah, and it's going to be on stats bomb or something. Well, else. he's a scientist, isn't he? So he's yeah. he's looking to um, get increase knowledge yeah, yeah. in the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The yeah. other thing about his work, which I feel like this is the only time I've ever seen any stat that does this, is that it actually analyzes the value of technique. Which, yes. like, I have never seen that for any yes. other event. Yeah, spot on. Um, which, I, you know, if you could tell on a player's pass that they used, you know, outside the boot, uh, inside of the boot, um, on the studs, whatever, and you could analyze the choice of technique and the value that had, that would be a coach's dream. Um, so the fact that he is doing that for goalkeeping is just absolutely incredible work and the fact that you can then quantify that into goal difference values um it's just extraordinary work so like everybody's been saying same theme check him out because although it's only for goalkeeping and not all events it's pretty much the best data you're going to get almost like from anything in fact it's probably the only aspect of football where the best public data on a specific topic is public yeah, no, you're right. He's not sure there's any other aspect of football data where you get this level of granularity and detail and analysis and absolutely brilliant. It's got both sides. It's got the video and the stats. He's 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 absolutely superb. I I love it. It's so good. it's really good. It's so good. So, I didn't know he was so young. You see, John Harrison when the name when I always thought he was quite an old guy. I didn't know he was a recent graduate. And I watched the. Yeah. Uh, I watched the red main one, and it's, it's about twenty. What's up with him? Yeah, baby face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
So um, the last one I just wanted to plug was the um, theanalyst.com as another source because we already mentioned there were their blogs. But if you look at that one here, that you know Peter McKeever, who's uh, from the opt side of the business, um, there's, you can see a load of data there which you can now get as an additional data source, uh, and that's obviously for last season's Premier League. <clears throat> and they they do have um, some some uh, some new metrics on there as well, which similar to the stats bomb Stein and things such as carries, which is a uh, um, moving with the ball at the feet, but not necessarily a dribble. It will include dribbles, but it's more than just dribbles. Uh, and also zones, sequences, sequences, um, which is, you know, number of events in a sequence, uh, as as well as things like proxies for pressure and uh, control as well. So I do recommend theanalyst.com as well, as there's something else to look out for this season. So any other business, chaps? Richard, any other um... business? Yeah, uh, just some sort of very touch on it because it's not relevant really so much to the immediate future, more like a long-term thing, um, is that there is uh, research being done involving including some of our own Liverpool researchers, um, Ian Graham and Will Spearman, uh, into... This one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not going to go into all of the technical maths because um, it's it's a lot. Uh, but essentially what they've done is they've researched ways of using algorithms to take broadcast footage and try and approximate the uh, positions of players that are off screen. Um, and once you have that, you can then turn that data into kind of like a pseudo tracking data. Um, it won't be as good as actual tracking data, but it will be an approximation that can allow you to then uh, use some of the use cases of tracking data. Like, for instance, the pitch control models um, that were developed by Will Spitman. Um, I believe that's probably why he was on the team, actually. Um, yeah. And yeah. Uh, they actually do test it. Trying to help StatsBomb get closer to stats, um, to get closer to uh, Optivision, yeah? Yeah. Um, and so, essentially, the... Um, they they made pitch control models and then they tested what those looked like when it was with tracking data and when it was with this algorithm and a few different methods uh, and they found that um, it was you know it, it'll be up to yourself as to exactly whether the difference is satisfying to you but they seemed to think that they they liked the results um, that they got uh, so that could be something in the far future that you start seeing is that. Um, you know, Opta or StatsBomb or whoever could start putting in things like pitch control um, and other aspects like that into more public data eventually, um, or at least into data that goes into their media teams, um, because, <laughs> uh, nice. rather than just being only for clubs. Um, you two old cynics. Yeah. Now, <laughs> Rosie, any of the business? Just like to ask a little question for what you three think might come up in five years. We've obviously touched on it. What are the, what are the possible areas that people are going to go into that in five years we're going to be discussing on here? What else do we need to know? Well, is it, the, is it going to be the, the pinnacle public... for me? The holy grail is the value of defending. Yeah, yeah I was going to say right. defending. Yeah, on, on that, actually, I, I have a, an interesting idea where, um, if you think about it, when a player is interacting with the ball, 
um, it's a continuous flow of motion, right? Um, we can say uh, that we are going to have a definition which is a dribble, um, but exactly how we define that beginning and ending um, is something which we have to come up with arbitrarily. So that means that all of the events that exist in on-ball data are all you know, ones that have been chosen arbitrarily and which we've agreed are useful uh, definitions to have. Um, and, you know, we can argue about... Similar definitions. definitions 10 years later as well, Richard, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so what I think is going to happen as these hybrid datas allow sort of pseudo-tracking type stuff to happen more regularly and on more available is that we're going to start seeing the same thing happen to off-ball stuff. So, you know... The amount a player moves over the pitch over 90 minutes could be a continuous flow of motion. But where, if you're going to say this player made a run to the back post, at what frame do you decide that that actually begins? What's your definition for the beginning of a run um, and the end of one? And, you know, if you start to make these definitions, then you can start creating metrics and you can start comparing the value of them. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that in five years' time, maybe beyond, we're going to start getting that sort of work will start to be done. And there's going to be lots of arguing over whose definition is better. Um, and can, you imagine, can you imagine a full 90-minute analysis of like a Virgil's defensive position? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And that, that's yeah. where the defensive, yeah. you know, yeah. did, did a player a decide to move towards a player yeah, with exactly. space? Exactly. And, you know, like we talked about disruptive runs with Firmino, well, what about the opposite of that, which is covering runs, but I guess you could call it by a defender, where they move in a way that resets their shape to make a broken block become fixed again. Brilliant. Um, you yeah. know, these are the sorts of things that you're going to have to come up with definitions that you can make it repeatable. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's where I see it. I still, I still fundamentally can't get my head around the concept of being able to count something that doesn't actually happen so, yeah. yeah um so um phil any other business mate no i i, I think the tech advancements like you know the ea modeling of a goal for example the ai offsides i think that will influence our analytical world more over the next five years that, that's in think, one year's time that isn't it it's going to that's what i'm saying world, and then as the as yeah. the camera technology improves, you know, the thing like EA can only model so many number of uh, goals or whatever else in a game. If they could, do, I think you'll find that could be done in real time very shortly. Well, you've got the next generation of HD cameras, you're going to improve. Exactly. And, that, and that's what I think. So I think yeah. that would yeah. add another level to what we're looking at and probably matches in what Richard's saying, because then you could actually be able to get a 360 view of all the movements going on for a game Yeah, in 3D. Anyway, uh, that has been brilliant. Um, Richard, how did you find that? It was uh, very enjoyable, actually. I um, I thought I was going to be a nervous wreck the whole way through, but I had a no. good fun. What we'll do? I'm going to I'm going to ask the I'm going to ask the listeners for feedback. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> you know, I can can really that. Well, yeah, and uh, yes, but thank you ever so much for taking the time, Richard, and thank you, Rosie, and thank you, Bart, and we will be back next week for the season preview. Until then, up the Reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, 
where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.